0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart.
1: Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company,
0: Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield.
1: Welcome everybody to this week's edition of the OBR Film Breakdown Podcast. I hope this podcast finds you and yours well. We're excited to talk about some Browns topics that are pertinent this week. It might be one of the last, I don't know, hopefully one of the last few weeks with slow news in terms of the importance to the season. And before we get some live on-field action as well. So we're excited to break some of those things down have a great guest coming on. Before we do so, I am going to again talk to you about our friends at betonline.ag. Make sure you are going there and taking advantage of the betting opportunities that are now in front of you. Obviously, the NBA has kicked up. The games mean something. Major League Baseball is finding a little bit of a groove here after their scare. Both of those seem like they're going to be around for a little while. Make sure you go to betonline.ag, use that promo code BLUEWIRE and get that welcome bonus and go make some money. It's in there. It's the is there. Make some money. The NFL will be back. You can bet on futures in the NFL. You can also do their 24-hour blackjack and poker that are always available to you. So make sure you go there. Take advantage of that welcome bonus. It's not like other sites where the welcome bonus is deceptive. You don't know how to get it. It's there. You can't release the funds. I don't know, man. It's head scratching. They don't do that at BetOnline.ag. So make sure you take advantage of the opportunities they have there. We're a big believer in them and they believe in Blue Wire. It's been a great partnership and I hope you guys are taking advantage of it. Again, that is BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. So Busy, busy week in terms of news, but the news wasn't all too serious, so um, players that were on the COVID-19 list came off the COVID-19 list. Big names such as Dontrell Hilliard, such as Jamie Gillen have come off. Uh, The Browns have had some opt-outs happen. We're going to talk about all of that. And we're going to kind of try to talk about what's going on with college football as well towards the end of this, too. So I'm going to welcome in a man who would much rather be in Dublin right now. I hope I didn't hit a sore (laughs) spot right there. Sobo, how are you, man?
0: Oh, sore, poking the bruise. It's so bad, my friend. I'm literally sitting here with a 15 ABV stout from the beautiful Hoppin Frog Brewery, Northeast Ohio represent just because I felt the need to have some type of big, beautiful beer in hand since I was supposed to be in Ireland all this week, this coming week. So, yes, poking that bruise a little bit, it's been a little disheartening. I know there's people going through much worse right now in their lives, so I'm not trying to downplay that at all. Just disappointing on my end. That's all, my friend.
1: Well, do you do you get the – do they refund all of that, or do they let you delay it, or how does that work?
0: Fortunately, our entire trip, which was – basically prepaid for that we started planning out november december has been refunded because mm-hmm. let's use a couple instances um we were flying through Finnair which is the primary uh, you know um airplane you know the system within ireland mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. so uh because they had to cancel flights and because of the shutdown of the eu to united states passengers they were able to give full refunds which was nice the only the only people that were really difficult to work with was some some people in airbnb but we know how that can be here in the united States let alone in other countries mm-hmm.
1: well man look i hope it hope it works out at some point that's the type of dream trip we're going to we make a, a yearly trip out to wyoming we're going out there the first week of uh first week of all or well september and I, i'm hoping that can still come to fruition but you never know things change week to week and um speaking of week to week look dude they they introduced some of these players in these uniforms. And I listen, this is me personally. I liked the uniforms when they unveiled them and they had the random guy who was a staffer wearing them with the visor. I didn't know who he was. I was really interested to see what they looked like on the players. And let me say, I was high on the uniforms before. I'm higher on them now. You get the sleeves going with them. You get the full effect of the socks. I, it's It's a beautiful uniform. What are your takeaways?
0: Oh, so clean. So good looking. So classic. So... Cleveland Browns, and that's the way really that it should be—a way it should have been this entire time. Instead of trying to serve as the Oregon Ducks of the NFL, as kind of they were portrayed the last time the Cleveland Browns changed uniforms. Look, I understand when it comes to this organization in the last 20 years, basically need to be wiped from existence. But the, one of the few things that identify the proud nation of Cleveland Browns fans and just the franchise in general, is those colors and the simplicity and elegance in that in that uniform. And the one thing I will say is this, the one big difference that we saw in this was the brown face masks. Mm-hmm. And they work, work, Jake. I wasn't sure if they would or not after years of white face masks and then gray face masks, but that brown looks pretty spiffy.
1: It It does. It really sets the whole thing together. And I'm with you. I was a A stern advocate for the going back to the white face mask. And I still look. I still think it would have looked clean. But I can also handle this brown. And it kind of does signify that they didn't go all the way back. They kept some modern touches. I think eventually we get the the orange pants that everybody really likes and hopes we get to see those. Those seem like uh, almost a certainty. And the color rush will be a little bit more basic. But I think it might end up looking okay too. So I'm excited. The guys look good in them. They seem to really like them. Uniforms don't equal wins, but it's okay to say you look good, you feel good, you typically you play good too. That's been my experience. So, um, but I was a pretty boy. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a guy up front. Yeah. You know, I, I was a pretty boy. But <laughs> quarterback. Oh, 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 there's no doubt. No doubt. I was a pretty boy. I had to look good.
0: Not a big ugly like on this end of
1: the <laughs> conversation. Well, that's why we mesh well. The ying and the yang, my friend. So listen, let's talk about. You talk about offensive linemen. That's what we got to talk about, which is the Browns had four of them. I think the Browns had the second most opt-outs. Now, none of these opt-outs were a big deal, kind of. You could you could make it a big deal, but it's none of them were big name players or starters or anything of that nature. They ended up with, before the 4 o'clock deadline, we knew about Drew Forbes, we knew about Drake uh, Dorbeck, Colby Gossett of recent, and then today, Malcolm Pridgen, um, all of which are offensive linemen, all of which are pretty much guys that were going to compete along the interior for the most part. So the Browns are a little thin along their interior. The fifth player is Andrew Billings, which I'll ask you about in a moment. But So the Browns lose, I don't know, most of their competition for the interior offensive line as far as the reserve roles go. Are you of the belief that they need to add somebody along there, some sort of veteran, nothing crazy, just maybe a cheap, uh, like Klein from Minnesota type, like a guy who can be a – a guard when they need them or do you think between Nick Harris uh, the rookie out of Washington and then you know obviously your two swing tackles Kendall Lamb and Chris Hubbard that they can they can piece that together if they need to
0: well the way they look at it Jake is very simple your your top eight is already set especially Drew Forbes now out of the equation because you have your starting five which you're projected as Wills, Batonio, Treader teller and then jack conklin and right tackle behind them you have hubbard as your t- utility lineman who has experience well not and or, and or work at all five positions along the offensive front you have your rookie in Nick Harris, who's a developmental center ideal fit for the system don't forget they went outside evan brown this year that might be a a big time under the radar type signing when it comes to what they're doing and also should mention kendall lamb has a swing tackle so I mean, now you're looking eight to nine uh, offensive linemen that could legitimately come in and contribute. Now, with uh, Brown, for example, he has experience at guard and center. Nick Harris in college played a little guard before starting three years at center. So you have some flexibility up front there as well. But I will say this. When it comes to positions, everyone says you can't have too many good quarterbacks or too many good cornerbacks. In this case, you can't have too many good Blockers, especially in today's day and age when it's so hard to develop the position. And so when you lose that many guys, yes, they're depth, second string at best, third string more likely in most of those cases. But you want to have guys that can come and compete, guys that can, that can really help set the tone for the entire unit because you're never sure exactly what's going to happen. And this is more pertinent than ever. Yes, we know about the pandemic, but let's look at the rosters and how they're being built out based on the agreement that we've seen with the NFLPA and owners, you will now have a 16-man practice squad. And two of those guys, even before all this began, was supposed to be called up on a regular basis to serve as an extra offensive lineman. Well, who will that be now? And that's really a big question mark. And if you're allowed to have six guys among those 16, doesn't matter if their experience level to be placed on the practice squad, you can start manipulating your roster to have talent veterans or at least guys have played in this league on your roster and not necessarily taking up a vital spot from someone else or a developmental prospect, let's say Alex Taylor, that you really like mm-hmm. within the organization. And so that's really what this is all going to come down to the final makeup of the, not only the 53 man roster or excuse me, 55 man now roster now and that 16 man practice squad, because it's important to not only have, nine to ten guys within those two bunches but let's not forget you need to go through training camp with with a third offensive line as well you need to have guys that can get reps and let the other big boys rest a little bit and that's really where Cleveland's going to be hurting
1: yeah I'm not I'm not sure if they will if they will need those guys like traditional camps because they're going to be so condensed in their approach and getting ready that I feel like maybe those third team reps that you would have seen are going to kind of go out the window because Kevin Stefanski knows hey and I got 14 padded practices before the season starts and I'm completely installing this entirely new system. And I got to get these guys and same on the other side of the football, too. I just feel like this year, above all else, it might be a year where they really say, I know we're threatening kind of wearing these guys down. But at the same time, there's no preseason games. We're going into week one. We got to be ready to rock and roll. So it's going to be first and some second team heavy and they're just going to kind of weed those guys out. It's a great point by you, Sobo, that it's Evan Brown is going to get. this is the door opens, right? The door closes, the door opens. Alex Taylor is going to get a real shot. Willie Wright's going to get a real shot. Evan Brown's going to get a real shot. I think they bring somebody else in, probably not a name that any of us will recognize, but it will be somebody that we will have to, you know, dig a little bit on figure it out. But they'll bring somebody. They just they just have to they have to bring some bodies in um, to fill the to the practice squad. And then if things get real weird, because you never know. It certainly is a situation where they they need some people. now.
0: Well, I was going to mention real quick, Jake, when you look at it, what's going to be the key word to this entire entire training camp and, well, I guess for lack of a better term, preseason, even though games won't be played, cross training. Mm -hmm. When you come to NFL offensive linemen, they're going to have to be able to back up multiple positions and practice at multiple positions. So when you look at where Cleveland's current lineup is, let's take the starting five out of the – Equation because they're pretty locked in who we expect them to be. But Evan Brown, guard center; Nick Harris, guard center; Willie Wright, guard center; Alex Taylor, right left tackle; Chris Hubbard, all five positions; uh Lamb, right left tackle. You better be able to play multiple positions and contribute it either at a competent level, otherwise you won't be with this team for very long.
1: Well, I was I was in the the camp as I wrote up something this week as an as an idea about potentially moving Chris Hubbard because if a team like Denver who is who's dealing with uh, I would say average at best really below average tackle play even before Jawan James decided to opt out um, you know a team could come calling with maybe a round three round four pick for Chris Hubbard as 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 the day wore on and more opt-outs happened I started to lean away from it Um, it's just something that I was interested in that if you know this is going to be a weird year anyway. If a team comes along and you could collect a future asset and what's going to be a really interesting draft, I was uh, I was throwing the idea out there. I know you weren't all too receptive of it, which that's okay, and I understand. I understand why, but you know, share with everybody sort of your thoughts on if 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 really genuinely so. If Denver calls and says, "Hey man, we will give you a third in the twenty twenty one draft," would you take that third round pick?
0: That tweet, and I tacked it like there was a bone thrown in a yard with a bunch of dogs. When you look at it the way, <laughs> because it, depth is such a such an issue right now, and this is the case every year in the NFL, especially in recent years, because of the lack of of development with the offensive line position. And this is something that's not discussed enough. If you remember, Jake, going back, look let's let's look at like the late '90s, early 2000s, and you had a run of offensive linemen with. When you had Orlando Pace and Chris Samuels and Walter Jones and Tony Baselli and so on and so forth, Jonathan Ogden, you know these are guys that the second you saw them, you knew they were going to be NFL studs. Period. Point blank. There was no question in anyone's mind. I remember a quote that always sticks out in my mind from a former NFL scout that stated. You can identify a franchise left tackle in one series because you know exactly what he's bringing to the table. Well, you can't do that anymore unless it's Oregon's panice (laughs) Soul and the way he plays. But even that's a question mark because you have so many limitations, not only on how much they're allowed to practice, but schematically. And then on top of it, uh, the physicality of the position, which isn't to the same level that we were accustomed to growing up in, well, for me, in the 80s into the 90s. Before we saw the transition into these spread offenses more consistently. So that is always a concern. Now you double that concern because you don't know exactly what you're going to have at that position and who's going to be ready to play once they come to the NFL level. So whether it be a draft pick like Nick Harris, who I pointed out is an ideal system fit based on his skill set with his lateral agility, I think you still have the time for him to grow and learn and really be ready at the NFL level one of the issues that's always that's always at the forefront with young offensive linemen and Cameron Irving's the greatest example of this you can, can potentially come up with is functional playing strength and lack thereof coming out of collegiate programs as opposed to working year round in NFL uh, weight training programs and so all these things factor into it and when you look at someone like Chris Hubbard I look I'm on record and said it a million times. The Cleveland Browns had probably the worst offensive tackle tandem in the NFL last year. Now, a lot of that also had to do with Greg Robinson and his lack of development. But at the same time, Chris Hubbard had trouble anchoring. So many times you saw him set a soft edge and et cetera, et cetera. But when you have someone with that experience that's capable of playing five different positions, that is your sixth, maybe seventh offensive lineman, that's very valuable comparatively comparatively when you look around the league and what's actually available for that type of role and so keeping him at even at the disp- expense excuse me of of a, a I don't want to say a third round draft because I think that would be ludicrous for any team to offer a third round draft pick for Chris Hubbard. Yeah. but a offer for for a draft pick is not in the team's best interest short-term. Long-term, yeah, obviously you can rationalize it, but when you're looking to compete now as opposed to a team in Cleveland that's been rebuilding and they've reached a point where they want to compete consistently, you need to have those type of veterans like Chris Hubbard on your roster because inevitably you're you're going to have an injury or you're going to have a positive COVID-19 test, and then they're placed on IR for three weeks, and you need to have someone to jump in immediately and not have a gigantic a drop off in level of play. And so that's why I jumped into that immediately because I just felt that this is the wrong time to sacrifice quality depth for the future of the franchise.
1: I'm with it. I'm with it. And the good thing about this group is, you know, Chris Hubbard is a guy that they wanted to stick around a guy who on his end wanted to stick around Cleveland. Anytime you see a contract restructuring, um, it's always a positive for both sides because that means there's, there's a desire for that guy to be here from a coach front office perspective and the player enjoys it enough at the place he's at that uh you know he wants to to he he can handle a restructure of some kind possibly lose more in the long run but at least you know be able to to, to stick around a place when he could maybe desire to be cut and go somewhere else and, and guaranteed to start I think the writing was on the wall for Chris but he was okay with stepping back um so that, that was good to see and and two you know to the to wrap this offensive line discussion up the good thing to me is you have a bunch of guys. We talk about flexibility of the second group. The first group's going to have a lot of flexibility, too, because you have a guard in Joel Batonia who has tackle experience, can play either side if he needs to along the interior. I think J.C. Treader could step outside and play a guard if he needed to in a, in a tight pickle, and both of your tackles are guys – that have played both sides throughout their career obviously Jed's going to be moving to an entirely new side in general but if you know if some sort of tweak had to happen and someone had to go somewhere else Jack Conklin has played both sides dating back to his Michigan State days it's a good flexible group and um if the status quo remains maybe they add another interior piece or two but it's it's uh it's encouraging and I really have enjoyed reading a lot of the people who are you know, data analysts and kind of the people who rank offensive lines like Brandon Thorne go through and say, I think Cleveland genuinely has a high ceiling top 10 type offensive line if it all comes together. So that to me is really encouraging. Great points brought up by you about Hubbard. I I don't think it'll obviously come to fruition, but it was worth at least chatting about because it could become interesting as some teams find themselves in a real pickle in the Browns of at least two guys there with Kendall Lamb too who have genuine tackle starting experience, and that can mean something, especially as teams might get really thin and the Browns could be included, so I understand your side of it. Before we transition to our last point today, Going to talk to you about Deal Dash, right? They've jumped on with us here at Blue Wire. They're an auction site, really an honest bidding site, if we want to say that, where you can win things you never expected at a price you can't really even fathom. Um, they have thousands of auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, all the way out to even cars. So it's like an auction. Every time an item comes up, it starts at $0. It goes up one cent every bid. Kickers at the auction starts at 10 seconds after every bid, so that somebody doesn't top your bid in 10 seconds. You get that item at a ridiculously cheap price. So if you go ahead and go to Deal Dash right now, they're offering listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. So go to DealDash.com, use that promo code, which is specific for this podcast and our listeners. The promo code is BREAKDOWN, obvious spelling, all one word, BREAKDOWN. And you can also go to DealDash.fm slash BREAKDOWN to use that as well. So that's DealDash, D-E-A, l d a s h dot f m slash breakdown so go take advantage of the opportunities at deal dash now so but before we close today man i want to ask you about the craziness that's happening in college football man like we obviously saw and it's not craziness it's just guys making a weighted decision on what they think their future is worth at this point we saw rondale moore opt out today um we saw rashad bateman obviously opt out i think micah parsons opted out um and then another i think the cornerback from virginia tech whose name's slipping my mind at this moment but where where do you think this is going like do you think we're going to have all of the big names i mean justin fields has said he's staying i it's interesting to me we haven't seen anybody really for their own purpose opt out from maybe the top 5 competing pro penn state's obviously very good but like the top 5 competing programs clemson ohio state alabama we haven't seen any of those happen yet do you think that's coming and do you think anybody who says hey man I'm a top 20 pick, like, uh, you know, my Florida's Rousseau, uh, the defensive ed, obviously uh, he opted out too. Do you think more of these are coming um, along some, some, some sort of fringe guys, or do you think we're going to see most of the big-name teams that they say, hey, we got 10 games here, maybe we get to play a national championship game independent, something like that. Do you think they're going to stick it out, write it out, and see what's up?
0: Well, the way I'm looking at it, Jake, is first of all, when you have – the quarterbacks we know they're going to be protected and this is something that was discussed with the Cincinnati Bengals something I wrote about recently regarding how they're protecting that position I obviously you're not trying to completely transpose what a professional team is doing comparatively to these to these programs but at the same time these are The quarterbacks are such high priority for the position for the game that they're going to do everything they can to make sure they're that they're healthy, that they stay away or as much as possible from their teammates, that they're basically isolating them within the the program unto itself. So someone like Fields or Trevor Lawrence, you know, you expect them to play. The name I will be waiting to hear about again. I mentioned Sewell earlier from Oregon, offensive lineman to me the number one prospect in this year's class we know that when it comes to the bigger guys on in in football it's it's a question mark not necessarily obesity but you look at sleep apnea on uh, Andrew Billings for example in the Cleveland Browns uh, with asthma you know these things all play a factor Uh, I'm, I'm curious someone like Jamar Chase from LSU what's his final decision he we already know and seen his Ability, great film, a guy that you were looking at as a potential top five, top 10 pick. Michael Parsons, top 10 pick. Rousseau, probably the top rated defensive player in this year or I maybe mean, the next the 2021 draft. So these are guys that are weighing their long term fi- financial flexibility in, as opposed to one year of staying on campus and continuing to play. And, and they're making what I would say is the right decision because there's so much uncertainty overall. And there's so much with college football, there's so much up in the air that we just don't know. It's even worse in the NFL. And I've said, I said recently on social media that in 10, 10 years of covering the NFL, um, this is the most uncertain I can possibly remember when it comes to how fluid information is. And let me just give you an example. I, I mentioned Billings. When you look at when he, Immediately assumed that it was a regular opt out. I did reach out to someone within the organization. They didn't even know if he was a high risk opt out. And he says he has asthma. Yet we don't even know if asthma is considered high risk when it comes to the agreement between NFLPA and owners. And there's so much, so much back and forth, and so much going on and changing on a daily basis that you're just trying to keep up in most instances. Even if you're ahead of the curve, you're already behind. It's like buying a new computer. And so when I look at what these guys are doing, they're making the best decisions personally, just like those opting out for their families at the professional level. It's very personal. It's, it's their decision. And people can call them selfish. They can call them quitters. And that reflects more on the people making those statements than those those individuals who made the actual decision. And that's the way I've looked at it all along. Um, I believe a huge influx of talent has now will now have, what, nine months to get ready for the NFL draft. I mean, these these guys aren't aren't small fish when it comes to the NFL draft. I mentioned Rousseau could be top three, four. Parsons easily top ten. When you look at where Caleb Farley may be, he's coming off a major injury, but if he's healthy, with his body with, with his with his athleticism and raw natural tools as a coverage corner at 207 pounds, he could be the very first corner off the board. I mean, these guys know where they stand. From a draft perspective, you're not getting guys that are, you know, maybe fringe first rounders or have questionable questionable draft status. These are guys that are legit top guys that are making decision now instead of waiting because they, they don't need to make take that risk. And I, I actually applaud them for it. And in some cases, I wouldn't do that in previous years based on, you know, just playing the game uh, much like. Christian McCaffrey did when he didn't play in his bowl game, but that's a whole nother conversation. These young men understand and are trying to protect their long-term earning capability. And I applaud them for that because look, college football doesn't have a plan. It doesn't. And now they're playing, putting too much emphasis on, on conferences. They're putting too much emphasis on, on everything, but having a cohesive an organizational plan ready for all these young men to really feel safe and capable of playing this season so kudos to those that made a decision it's not easy they have to wait a long time to eventually realize their dream but they will do so and those who have opted out will will still be very high draft picks
1: yeah those who opt out are definitely going to be the guys who who uh who have cemented their draft stock you know they could have they could have helped it maybe a little bit, but for the most part, the names that we have heard, or at least the names who have been very public, are those guys who are going to go to go high in the first round. And, and listen, this might open the door for some other guys to get an opportunity. If football does come to happen at the college level in some form, hopefully the safest form possible, um, it could give the opportunity for some guys to make a name. And I think that's that's why you won't see everybody opt out, right? You're going to see some guys who say, no. I see this as an opportunity to, to, uh, to make a name, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I made made this comparison before on the show, but I'll state it again because it's the most obvious thing. Joe Burrow was not the number one overall pick a year ago. No one thought that. No one on this planet assumed he was going to be the guy, that he was going to step into LSU last season and do what he did. They they looked at him as a mediocre talent. Mm -hmm. And so when you have that opportunity, the rise before your eyes uh, and really – Step in and outperform expectations, you could place yourself in a great position. And yes, when it comes to the 2021 NFL draft, it's going to look somewhat, somewhat as an NBA style draft because you're projecting so much with some of these elite talents, but we have film on them. Mm-hmm. You know, Rousseau, as a redshirt freshman last year, was number two in the or in college football in sacks. You know, it's not like you. It's not like he didn't play at all. Or everyone is just thinking he's coming straight out of high school, like the NBA, and and you think he can be an elite talent eventually. You know, he already is one. You already know that Micah Parsons is a guy that has tremendous athleticism. He's actually a very adept rushing the passer uh, from the linebacker position because he's a converted end. Yeah, he still needs work dropping and understanding his angles and, and coverage. But at the same time, these are things you can work on at the next level because you know he has the translatable traits that make him an elite elite prospect. and that not, That's not going to change between now and next April.
1: No doubt. No doubt. It's going to be interesting next 30 days as – God, I I know they all have been, but really as football actually lands in our lap, the NFL seems to, for the most part now, have it settled with their opt-out day passing. But, uh, you know, college is, it's so fluid. There's so many different things happening conference to conference, and some teams are still doing crazy things like suggesting fans are actually going to be in the stands. I don't know. We're going to have to see where it goes. But uh, right now, it's not off to a great start, and we're, and we're losing out on a season from the fans' perspective where we could have seen some really special talents at the college level, and hopefully, like we said, those guys stay healthy, get into the draft, and those dreams come true for them. So, um, you know, we'll keep talking about this. We'll always keep looking at prospects for the Browns. That's what we do. It's what Sobo does and what the OBR prides itself on in general. Before we go, Sobo, anything to plug, my friend?
0: Just training camp coverage, and everyone, please be very patient. Uh, for, for the OBR, we'll have boots on the ground with, with Fred, greet them as always, but at the same time, it's going to be very different and it's you're not going to get real-time updates. Yeah. Uh, the NFL has made it to where there's going to be a very small pool of reporters slash TV figures in, actually allowed near the practice field and all of that information has to be disseminated through all local outlets and national outlets and so... If you're expecting minute-by-minute minute updates on Twitter for training camp, it's not coming because Twitter is outlawed at camp coverage this year. And so I'll, I'll already give a mea culpa from those of us at, at the OBR because of we can't be on top of things as much as we normally would, and that's just a byproduct of this uh, of where we are in the times that we're currently dealing with. And, you know, for someone like myself, tomorrow I'll be covering – for Bleach Report, just basically handling the news and reacting as best as possible. But at the same time, you can't do that as quickly as you normally would. So be patient. Enjoy that we have football while we have it. And just and and it, obviously I'm tentative, Jake, and it's it's in my voice, I can tell. But at the same time, because I don't know what to expect, and and it's we've reached the point where it's time to move forward. But how far are we actually going to get? And that's the question that's in my mind every time I try to answer a question when it comes to what we should expect this season.
1: Yeah, I'm having a fun time pretending right now. Um, it might come crashing down, but it's at least fun to, in my mind, entertain the fact that we might have football. So until that day comes, until that unfortunate event spirals in front of our eyes, I'm just going to pretend you, pretend it's going to happen because it's what I love most. It's what I enjoy talking about. It's what I write about. It's what I do. It's what you do. Obviously, we do it for a living, Um And uh, we'll just, you know, we'll keep pretending as long as we can and hope that the best shakes out and everybody stays healthy. At the end of the day, we just want everyone to stay healthy. You don't want long-term ramifications for these guys doing it. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. Sobo, thanks for joining me, man. This is always fun, always insightful. We will uh, will continue to have you on the Breakdown Pod as often as we can.
0: Well, Jake, I want to throw a quick little nugget out there um, about our based on our earlier conversation because it hit me. I got a ton of bricks, and I started giggling to myself while you were speaking. <laughs> the Cleveland Browns have three collegiate left tackles starting along their offensive line.
1: Yeah, that's kind of the a wild fact.
0: The one who isn't, the one who wasn't, is going to be the team's starting left tackle. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that's that's a tweet for tomorrow. Put it out there because people will people will get a
0: chuckle out of that. I will, at least. Yeah. Um, it, just, it, it struck me because even JC Treader played left tackle in Cornell. Yeah.
1: So they're four left tackles deep. So that tells you they got the. Well, three, and then we're about to get a fourth. Yeah, why Teller started. was a guard. So. Yeah,
0: that's right. He actually converted from defense to tackle, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, yeah, he did, actually. That is right. That is right. So they got a bunch of mixed mixed guys playing a bunch of different positions. So we'll hope it, we'll hope it pans out. Thanks again,
0: buddy. Yes, you too. Have a good one, man.
1: Alright, that's a wrap for today's episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. A lot of things going on with the Browns. Like like Sobo said, we're trying to do the best we can at the OBR. We'll get some streamed coverage that you will also obviously be able to dive into when the Browns decide to stream it. What that coverage entails, we don't know yet. We don't know if they'll just show individual periods. I highly doubt they're going to show team periods with full plays because that's just kind of silly nonsense. You'll get some things, you won't get much, but we'll break down as much as we can and as much as we can get through their media department and as much as we can get through um, Fred Greetham, who will be able to go there occasionally. We will, we will do the best that we can for you. We will have some photos up in the coming days that the Browns have provided to us, little galleries. We'll do some galleries each day. Again, the best we can until we get the TV stuff that will be uh, actual translatable data that we can we can talk about. Break down and analyze as we only do at the OBR, the best in the market. So huge shout out to Sobo, spending some time with me tonight. Thanks again for joining us. Appreciate you guys joining us. Again, it is not too late to join us at the OBR. Subscribe with us. Become a part of the community. It's growing. It's fantastic. Love what we do and love that you guys support us. Make sure you're subscribing to us on iTunes. Make sure you are giving us those five stars if possible, if you believe in us. And also, make sure you leave us a comment about what you like about the podcast. Always appreciate it. So until next week, we appreciate you joining us. Go Browns.